Good afternoon, morning, or evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is Norman of Rumble in the Garden welcoming you to the Not Half Bad Podcast. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, mostly my fault. Say hi, Dave. (laughs) Hey, we're back, we're back, and it's Norman's fault we haven't been here. It's true, but to make up for this, we're going to have a podcast every single day. You just keep listening out for it. <laughs> just, just, just keep hitting replay. Let's face it. Yeah, no, but we, <laughs> repeat. I, but I think we we, we are going to try and, uh, and and be a little bit more regular, uh, or at least schedule it in some fashion. Because I think right. a lot of things will be interesting for both Rutgers and St. John's in the coming uh, weeks and months. Yeah, and going into the off season and stuff, it, it should be fun. <clears throat> season of change. But yeah, this is Not Half Bad, the podcast covering Rutgers and St. John's basketball, hosted by myself, Norman, from RumbleInTheGarden.com. And I'm Dave from OnTheBanks.com, a Rutgers blog. You can find me at EcoastBias on Twitter and at RumbleInTheGarden.com. You can find him at Dave underscore White and at OnTheBanks.com. Right. So we <laughs> so, have, so we've we've got um we've got we got to get back into the swing of things here, Norman. I uh, got to get the chemistry back. Well, it's pitchers and catchers, right? So uh, that's there we the go. Swing of things, and I think for for really all three of the major conference teams in the New York City area, uh, pitchers and catchers do seem to be kind of an, uh, a salient and important uh, milestone because only St. John's really seems to have a. A solid-ish chance of making the NCAA tournament, and it's not as solid as you'd think. No, uh, I think they're in good shape, especially after yesterday's win. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, they no. still have work to do, but they definitely do. So, as uh, when last week we met, I think uh, God, it might have been like what December. Yeah, we're talking Christmas time. I think the week of Christmas is when we met. We yeah. last talked. So back then, good things were happening to Rutgers. And yeah. St. John's was in the top 25. I believe they were almost up to, they were top 15 at one point before they faced the buzzsaw that was the Seton Hall Pirates. Before said <laughs> buzzsaw lost all of its teeth, or the teeth started fighting with each other. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and some of the teeth, one of the teeth left. And, um. uh, and yeah, and so Seton Hall has uh, really, really fallen off the rails. I think they've lost every single game they've played in February. And uh, St. John's knocked them off yesterday at home in the finale for the seniors uh, for St. John's. So, yeah, so St. John's is 18-9, and 7-7 seven and seven in the Big East, which is okay. You know, they're about middle of the pack. And they have a really, a fairly tough slate to close out with. Though, with two games at home against Xavier and Georgetown, those are two good opportunities. Then they have a road game against Marquette, which could be tough. And a road game against Villanova, which should be, you know, not an expected win. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so talk a little bit about St. John's and the, um, how it's gone since they lost to oh, man. Seton Hall. Oh, man. So, uh, you know, coming into the, coming into the Big, East, Big East season at 11-1, and one, uh, St. John's had certainly a lot of hope. And I, I would say... Not to be, you know, not not to be the voice of the pessimist, I suppose, but I, I would say that for the people who were excited about that schedule, they played well against Gonzaga, but the rest of their opponents weren't very good. And the closest they came to a real scare, I mean, except for the win at Syracuse, which is still a big deal, even if Syracuse is really, really off their game, um, 
the closest they came to a scare was St. Mary's, who really handled them for the first half and then forgot how to play basketball against St. John's pressure in the second. And that's not, you know, let's not take anything away from the things that St. John's does well, because that pressure is devastating. But it wasn't like they were beating, you know, a number of, you know, mid to top tier Big Ten teams or anything. They were beating, you know, kind of middling squads. So since then... Uh, St. John's had 11 wins then and one loss. They have nine mm. losses or eight more losses and I think seven wins in that, in that time since. Uh, yeah, seven and okay. eight in that time since. Um, they've beaten Providence twice because for some reason their Providence is kryptonite. And <laughs> they've beaten Xavier on the road, which was very impressive. That's that was when, a huge win. That was huge. I that watched was, that game, yeah. That was a real, you know, wow, you guys are, are actually coming together. But along the way, they... Uh, had Bryce Jordan take a leave of absence due to supposedly family circumstances, but everybody knows that it was also because of his own behavior. They've had a calf injury to D'Angelo Harrison. They've had Sir Dominic Pointer emerge. They've had a, a slight suspension for Chris Obekpa a lot when he elbowed a dude in the head and uh, some injuries for him as well. And they've lost to Seton Hall. They lost to Butler at home. They lost to Villanova at home, understandable. They lost to DePaul, DePaul away. They lost to Duke in a game where they were pretty close. Then they lost to Creighton on the road. And it's that loss to Creighton that's really going to be the fly in the ointment, I think, for uh, for them going into the NCAA tournament. Or for, for them trying to get to the NCAA tournament. That's a bad loss, even on the road. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to make up for it. They're going to have to find, you know, another big win or, or make a run in the tournament. But I think they're they're in they're sitting. What would you say they were? Eighteen, eighteen wins. Eighteen and nine. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, I mean, with four a, games left, I think they get two. They go two and two and win a game in the tournament. They should be okay. That's asking a lot. I mean, last year they they went in and they needed to win a game in the tournament, and for about a quarter of that game against Providence, they just laid a complete egg. And I think that's a, that's a lot to bank on for, for this team, which, which I think is a better team than last year's was. But um, I think they'll feel a lot better if they first, you know, win at Marquette. That's baseline. Second, yeah. win at Xavier tomorrow. If they can get that sweep, I don't think Xavier is the greatest team ever, but, you know, that's solid. If they can mm-hmm. win either Georgetown or Villanova away, I think they're in. But oh yeah, they're definitely in. without they that. that. Without that, I think they need two wins, preferably one over. Uh, you know, two wins, and if they can get three, they're great. Uh, and if they can get two, I think they need a win in the biggest tournament to uh, get in the NCAA tourney. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. I think they're in good shape. Uh, uh, I'm hoping for a run. Lavin comes back next year. We'll all be happy. Uh huh. Well, we we'll, we'll, we we can talk about what what that means if Lavin comes back or what the parameters were too uh, for, for that in, in mm-hmm. a little bit. But let's switch gears and talk about Seton Hall. I mean Rutgers. Uh, uh, Seton mean, Hall. See, hey, listen, Rutgers is in better shape than Seton Hall is right now. Seton Hall, if you if you guys don't know, if you, those who, of you who do not listen to Not Half Bad, wait, well, well, we haven't been around, so that's that <laughs> helpful. Um, but Seton Hall has had uh, their guard, Jaron Cena, leave the program. Uh, I haven't seen him. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in part because of the atmosphere around the program. And uh, they've also had uh, Isaiah Whitehead and Sterling Gibbs uh, verbally yelling at each other on the bench. And, it, you know, it's, it's weird to hear coaches say things or pundits say things like, well, you want your, your players to get into it. 
Maybe. But you don't want him to get into it on the sideline, you know? Right, on TV. Yeah. There's an, a, a reporter who covers the team for the AP who wrote on his personal blog that Isaiah Whitehead has his own basically personal posse that comes along, which includes freshman Kadeen Carrington and Desi Rodriguez and then some other dudes. Uh, and I think it's always a worry that, you know, when you, you know, maybe sell a little bit of the farm to get a guy, as Seton Hall did by hiring uh, Isaiah Whitehead's high school coach, Tiny Morton. This that, is all, be, all because Kevin Willard put Morton's uh, playbook on the top shelf. That playbook is like a, a Cause sheet of paper. Because he's tiny. Uh, <laughs> you know, Tiny Morton knows how to use a step stool, so let's not um, <laughs> Uh, but, but, for, but for serious, I mean, you know, Tiny might be a, a good coach, and certainly, like, he's had a great great success at Lincoln on the high school level, but I think that when you bring in a guy, when you bring in a coach to bring in a guy, you are creating a, a certain dynamic within the team that is challenging to manage. And yeah. I think Isaiah Whitehead has been known to be a, a guy who's both hot-headed and, and like, like a lot of the other Coney Island guys, I guess, you know, maybe a little difficult and uh, you know, proud of his, of his skills and abilities, which he should be p- proud of. But mm-hmm. within a team concept, I think he's a hard one to rein in. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a bad situation over there, it sounds like. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, and it, and it smacks of, uh, what was it, 2000 or was it 2001 when Tommy Amaker brought in Eddie yeah, Griffin exactly. and Tony Allen and all that. And it's amazing, the, the parallels. You know, the, yeah, That year, for, uh, Griffin and Ty Shine got into a fist fight, or at least uh, Eddie Griffin got uh, punched the crap out of Ty Shine, leaving <laughs> it with like a, like a, what was it, was it like at halftime or something of a game? I think so. I don't it, remember. It's been a long time, but I remember that story. There's that image of Ty Shine with the, you know, with the bloody, like, uh, or with the, with the bandaid over like the bloody, like, scar, like on his forehead or some crap like that. Right, right. Uh, Ty Shine, who was, uh, was their hero against Oregon, I believe it was, in the NCAA tournament the year before. That I, I bring that up because that that game was amazing. That was a great game. Oh my god! I like chills. I still think about it. Just damn, mm-hmm. a dude who was <laughs> like, I don't know how to play point guard, so I'm just going to shoot this. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, there are so many parallels. Fred Hill was an assistant on both staffs. Um, it's just crazy. It is crazy, and it's it's funny because you know Seton Hall. For all that here at Not Half Bad, you know, we, we'll poke a little fun at Seton Hall and, and you know, maybe some of the seriousness of, of, of some of their fans and such. Um, I think that Seton Hall on a certain level has done a fairly good job managing both expectations and I think they've done, done a good job at basketball, actually, of, of the three teams in the last 15 years. St. John's has had the high of going to an Elite Eight, and then that was more like 18 years ago, 17 years ago. Um, but Seton Hall has gone to the tournament in 2006, though then they fired Louis Orr, uh, and they went to the tourney in, what, like 2000, 2001. Uh, they've, they've been on the edge in the last few years, even with uh, crazy man Bobby Gonzalez. So it's not like they're bad at basketball. They haven't really been in the, in the gutter. They just haven't been able to get over that last hump. Mm-hmm. And for Kevin Willard, you know, he's a smart coach, and he's done – He's managed to, to squeeze out some good wins, but he's never really had a lot of high-level talent. So you can see why he would want to you know, take some steps to bring in some high-level talent, but it's tough, man. It's tough to integrate that. Yeah, that's the biggest problem is, you know, 
I don't know. It's it. It was one of those things that everybody kind of speculated before the season that this could happen. You saw it coming. You saw it saw coming. It coming, and then they started out so well. They're sharing the ball. Everything looked good, and everybody's like, maybe we were wrong. And they but lose you know, one you, game, and then the wheels fell off. But if you if you looked at them, the the I think the first time I really sat down and watched the Seton Hall game, I watched them play against Wichita State, and I noticed a couple of things in, in that game just like on the court chemistry issues where like, yes, you know, there's a sets being run because Kevin Willard does have crisp sets. I think they actually practice and (laughs) the, but ever so often Isaiah Whitehead would obviously break the set and go one-on-one. There'd be like, you know, five dribbles and then like a, you know, a, a shimmy shake. And then he'd be taking a shot and you'd be like, Hmm. And he did well in that game. If I remember correctly, but he definitely have he definitely seemed to be playing outside of the the confines of the offense which right. i will say now and later that there is a real benefit to having a, an offense that isn't confined that's more intuitive it's harder to defend mm-hmm. um but i think the other thing he did i'm pretty sure he said something to ron baker and you know I'm saying Whitehead obviously obviously thought that he could take Ron Baker, and he obviously wanted to show up Ron Baker because he really seemed to be going at him both on defense and offense. And then, you know, occasionally you, you kind of saw him, like, you know, saying something. And then at some point, Ron Baker just said, excuse me, son, and sunned him for the rest of the half, just clowned him. It was, I mean, it was, it was just like a, boy, yeah. you're, you're a freshman. You need to learn. You're a freshman. And Ron yeah. Baker can ball. Don't even mess with this dude, you know? Right. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 I feel like you're right. I think there was a lot kind of brewing beneath the surface. And, and you know, winning covers up that. They were 19th in the country. They beat St. John's. They beat Villanova. Both games, they beat them without Whitehead. Yeah. And then Whitehead came up. They kind of scuffled a bit. Whitehead came back and couldn't save them. And things got ugly. Yeah. So, but... You know, that's why I'm kind of glad, you know, that Rutgers, you know, we're bad, but it doesn't seem like those major problems. And it's the thing is, I think that with Whitehead, it's not so much about who Whitehead is necessarily, but I think that the same thing could have happened. I don't know if it would have happened at St. John's. I think Steve Lavin is a different manager of people, but Mm. I think that sometimes you bring in something that honestly is a little extraneous. Seton Hall had wing scorers. I mean, they have Sterling Gibbs, they have Jaron Cena, and they do it in a different way. They're not as creative, but they are scorers. So when you bring another one into the mix, it's hard to share that ball. Whereas, yeah. you know, bringing in Angel Delgado, Angel Delgado is the guy that they needed. He is a monster in the paint. Yeah. Desi Rodriguez is another guy they needed. He's dirty work. You know, he's dirty work and he, he plays hard, but, you know, such right. is life and they'll work it out. Yeah, somehow. Yep. I don't. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I. I, th- I think they'll work it out. I don't know that they're a tournament team, but you know, hopefully. No, no, no. I don't think they'll work it out this season. I no. think this is going to be, uh, uh, you know, next year around uh, December. You'll you'll get a better idea. And hopefully, Whitehead comes back and you know tempers his game a little bit because that kid is very talented. I can't see him going. It. Where's he going to go? Yeah, guys get ideas all the time. You know. I know. I know. I'd be very surprised though. Yeah. Can play in the so. Coney Island of Europe, which is um, I don't know Marseille. I don't know. <laughs> they have a Nathan's there. Uh, I'm sure they do. You are listening to the Not Half Bad podcast. So let's talk about Rutgers. You know, yay! Oh wait, no. Where, where's uh, do we have a uh, tears emojis or uh, or <laughs> crying sounds? Here's here's the thing about Rutgers. 
They um, they beat Wisconsin out of nowhere. Top five team. They've never beaten a top five team before. Without Kaminsky. Without, yes, without Kaminsky, but still, come on. They, Rutgers also lost to St. Peter's by 18. True. So, you know, they had their high moment. And then they came and they played Maryland really well. I think they led Maryland by like eight in the second half. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they're not deep. Um, Miles Mack is playing something like 39 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Kadeem Jack is playing just as close. And and the rest of the team, the depth on that team is not great. Um, so they've lost 10 straight. Some of them pretty bad. Mm-hmm. 81-47 to, <laughs> uh, to Iowa. Yeah. Well, were you, were, I, what, were, you were telling me something about the Iowa game, the thing that happened? Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Um, Iowa um, – the five man for Iowa uh, decided to take the ball coast to coast and dunk it, and Rutgers didn't put a man in his uh, in his grill. And uh, Eddie Jordan sat the the starters for the rest of the game, um, and said that today they're playing Indiana at home at, at five fifteen. Um, and basically, he said that if uh, the same thing happens in the first five minutes of this game and they're not playing hard, he'll sit he'll sit everybody again. So he was playing. He played walk-ons for a good ten minutes of the game last week, or the other night. Wow. So yeah. So he's frustrated. Um, I don't think there are many chemistry problems. Um, They did have to um, discipline Kadeem Jack for being late to a breakfast, and they left Junior Etu home for the Penn State game to kind of send a message to him. But I don't think they're having like major chemistry problems. So that's kind of where they are. They're not good. I mean, the Mike Rice thing, I think, did more damage than uh, than we we even really knew in terms of, of rebuilding the program and, and how it's viewed. Mm-hmm. And this is like a major rebuilding effort. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that. Yeah, I don't I don't even know. I mean, just a they, tough. It's. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, you and then you look at some of the administration stuff, and you've heard me harp on it before. But I mean, news came out that they spend more on the women's team in terms of recruiting. The recruiting budget for the women's team is like eight thousand dollars more than the men's team. My God, um, yeah, they need something. I keep harping on a practice facility, but I'm not going to be insane and say that's going to happen tomorrow. But they need something to show that they care that administration cares because that's so the biggest far, issue and so far that's been an issue right that julie herman and and the and the athletic department seem to what just ignore basketball is that what they are it's basically that i mean football i can't say football gets everything it needs but football gets the attention and the women's team is good so you know everybody's happy to talk about them but the men's team they're not willing to rebuild it they're just willing to let it kind of dry on the vine weird I mean, so, it's, and it's, it's another it's rookie just, program. Yeah, it's not just Julie Herman either. I mean, this is twenty four. This will be twenty four years without an NCAA appearance. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So it's 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 not good. It's very frustrating to be a fan right now. It's not, there's not a lot to talk about, I suppose. I mean, it's like their it's, their offense is atrocious. I'm looking at the Ken Palm numbers right now, and um, oh yeah, that's wow. terrible. Hey, look, that's a 339. Effective field goal, three-point percentage, shooting percentage, two-point shooting percentage, all in the 300s. Damn. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's really, really bad. Their, their offense is Miles Mack, and if Kadeem Jack decides to go to the basket. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it is right now. It's they they they're and the weird thing is they beat Clemson and uh, Vanderbilt earlier in the year, and it looked like they were really running the offense that Eddie wanted to run. There were lots of cuts to the basket. They were patient. Um, they don't have enough three point shooting, but they they were running sets. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like they're not. And I think part of that is because Eddie decided to simplify and focus on Jack and Mac because those are his weapons. But but <sighs> wait, so so what's coming next year? Um, Corey Sanders, who's a top fifty point guard, assuming he qualifies. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Good, who's a three point shooter from Hargrave Military Academy, and Kawan Johnson, who's a wing slasher. Uh, from Hargrave, and they have one more open scholarship right now. Cool, that's so, good because uh, yeah, I'm looking at the at the shooting percentages, and yeah, it'll be nice to see another shooter, and hopefully, Junior E2 uh, gets better. Yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they have two kids who are um, partially qualified, and one of them is a wing from North Carolina, Ryan Johnson. He's supposed to be a really good shooter. Um, not sure if he is or not because I haven't seen him play, but. That's the rumor. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he can he can um, step up too. All right, but, and with a year of practice and all that. Yeah. So I, I don't know exactly who's going to score next year, but Corey Sanders. I mean, you're starting a freshman point guard. It could be bad next year. Yeah, I don't know that it could be worse. You know, I mean, you know, like Mike Williams coming back, DJ Foreman, Junior E two. Uh, who else? Shaq Dorson, Bishop Daniels. Yeah, I mean there are pieces, but I, I don't know. Your two best players are leaving, so. Yeah, but you know your two best players are also part of a ten-game losing streak, and some of those <laughs> games are wildly uncompetitive. Seventy-nine fifty-one, seventy-one fifty-one, seventy-nine fifty-one to Penn State. Yeah, Good God. I think DJ Newbill uh, decided to go off. I don't even remember. I turned that game off. I mean, Penn State's you know good, but <laughs> jeez. Yeah, I think I wrote about – I think I recapped that one um, halfway through the first half. <laughs> That's how bad it was. I mean, it's, it's good for the writing process. You know, you can uh, you can write your recap and then uh, just drink your way through the second. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just – I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see how they play tonight, mm-hmm. um, whether the effort's there. Indiana is not a good defensive team. So yes, they, they there, there are opportunities. Going. Yeah. But they, you just want them to get one more win for these kids who stayed through the Mike Rice thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack, Malik Kone, and 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 Mac. You, you really just want them to win one more, not go out, you know, on a 15-game losing streak or whatever it will be. That would um, be terrible. Yeah. So they're 10-17 and 17 right now. They're 2-11 in, in conference. And they're doing what a lot of the experts expected them to do. Lose? Lose, other than the fact that they beat Wisconsin. I'm sure most people thought they'd beat, like, Purdue and Penn State mm-hmm. and Northwestern, you know, man, like a— Purdue. I, I can't believe that, like, Purdue is still, like, in the doldrums there, man. They're, uh, no, they're not. They're really— Oh, play, oh wow. Well. They're, they're, like, 10-4 oh and four or something like that. I'm just looking at their record now. I'm sorry. I, I take <laughs> it back, Purdue fans. 18-9 and nine overall, 10-4 and four in the league. Hey, Purdue, look yeah. at you, Matt Painter, coming back. <laughs> Keeping your job. Look at you. Yeah. So there we are. That's Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just down now. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. This is not half bad where we bring you down. 
This is Not Half Bad, the podcast covering Rutgers and St. John's basketball. And if you have a user question, send them to nothalfbadpod at gmail.com. And what's the half part? Oh, you guys are the not half bad part. We yeah, were not half bad. Also, we the would, fine beer I'm drink, drinking from off-color brewing called Scurry. It's tasty. Ooh, what kind of beer is it? It's a beer brewed with honey, molasses, and oats. Ooh, yes. nice, nice. It's dark and tasty. There you go. It's making me slur my words. I'm having coffee. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you've got to drive, so, you know. I do, yeah. All right, so St. John's and the, and the the not half bad part. Um, yeah, the Johnnies are well. The Johnnies had such a rough stretch in January, and uh, you know Lavin's famous for saying things like, you know, last year February will come together, which is like, wait, that's a weird statement. That's saying like, yeah, we're not good right now, but oh yeah, maybe we'll we'll pull it out at the end like a cram session, you know? Right. Uh, and it looks like maybe they're kind of doing it again, except. You know, February included um, a just a beasting by Butler, where Chris Obekba, <laughs> for no good reason, thought that he was being um, manhandled by a freshman named uh, what's his name, Tyler Weidman. And you know, if you're if you're looking this at this in, um, on, on replay, uh, Weidman, I mean, he was active in the post, but he didn't seem particularly dirty. I've certainly seen dirtier, and Obekba you know, after one play, decides to follow him down the court and uh, really kind of seek him out with the elbow up and clock him in the back of the head. It's one of the most egregiously just stupid things I've seen on the basketball court. I, you know, not quite up there with Sterling Gibbs's uh, elbow to Ryan Archidiakono's face the other day, which got him suspended. Sterling Gibbs of Seton Hall, that is. Right. Um, but it's it was just sort of like, what, what a... Well... I mean, the, the, the words I have are not made for uh, for young people's consumption, and I know we have some youth listeners out there, so, you know, I won't it's, say that it's a, it's a B move, you know? So, uh, so how are your Twitter buddies doing? You know, uh, uh, the, the St. John's Twitter is a, is a funny place. There are people who are very like, fire, Levin! And then <laughs> there are inexplicably some people who are like, extend him! And there's a case to be made that... Uh, that St. John's is in a better place than when he took over. And he actually said so in the, um, in the press conference yesterday, um, which was, which was kind of fascinating, but I don't know. I mean, he has, he has a point, you know, um, let's see if I can, uh, uh, from Joseph Staszewski, sorry, I can never pronounce his name. Um, he was saying that, yeah, we have sellout crowds. We have fans that are engaged and care upset when we lose, you know, the kind of fans that say, get rid of the head coach. And he says, and Lavin continues to say, you know, I understand the racket. The kids represent us in a first-class manner, made us relevant. And every season we're in the hunt for a tournament or to do something in the postseason. And that was the job I was asked to do. Interesting right. statement, you know? And, yeah. and I think that Lavin certainly has a point that they're in a better place than where St. John's was. But I also think that, you know, St. John's could be more consistent. And, you know, the drama of going up and down all the time is, it's interesting. You know, I don't know that that's necessary. And I think that's, that's a real question for whoever makes the decision about him coming back. So, so what is your feeling right now? 
about Lavin, Lavin coming back, coming back, the, the coming back. Coming well, back. I think I think if they make the NCAA tournament, no question, he gets some sort of extension. I think that also extensions aren't all; they're not all the same. You know, they're not all like ironclad five right. extensions with you know basically with big buyouts. You know, there is a certain kind of extension that you give a guy that you're like, we want you to never leave us. You know, like I'm right. sure like Shaka Smart's extension is. He's got poison pills all over it that that another team has to make up for, um, mm-hmm. if or another program has to make up for if they if they want to bring him in. But uh, it, it's also possible to give a very almost a cursory extension where it's like, yeah, here's another year at what you were being paid with a far lower buyout, you know? Right, and right, just for recruiting purposes. That. Yeah, and that that happens sometimes to coaches where it's like. Well, we can't really fire you. We want the continuity, but you need to step it up, you know. And I can yeah. see Lavin getting offered a "you need to step it up" um, uh, extension because you know having one of the best recruiting classes in 2011 and only getting to the tournament when those guys are seniors and getting to the tournament with those guys as seniors with a, a team that obviously lacks depth is mm-hmm. you know these these are things to be discussed that's not that's not necessarily normal you know right now lavin is looking is looking under every rock for talent for next year he's looking abroad there's a guy from belgium or a turkish fellow from belgium who's coming on a visit this weekend there's a, a greek uh, center there's a uh finnish wing i think as well who they're looking at and you know that's all great and all, but I don't know. There's just sort of a, a I don't know. You'd, you'd like something to be a little bit more solid and to have mm-hmm. a continuous flow of you know of, of, of talent and good times coming uh, before you give somebody a, a big time extension. So I don't know. Right. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking necessarily, and I don't know what Lavin's thinking, what Lavin wants and will accept. I think that things are better, and I think that. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year, but I think under no so- circumstances should anybody expect next year to be a, uh, a strong season filled with like wins and spectacularness. You know, right? Well, what would you think? So they have eighteen wins. What, what would you think if they went twenty? They got twenty wins. They don't get in. They're like the last team out mm-hmm. in terms of eleven coming back. Well. I can't say for sure. You know, there's a new president. There's a, a lot of uh, changes in the air, and there are some good recruits. I don't know that he comes back. I don't know that he comes back with that, you know? I think mm-hmm. that that's, you know, it's kind of tough to say, and you want to say, oh, 20 wins, but, you know, there are higher standards here, you know? You can't, if you're, this is probably one of his best chances, and there's not another good chance on the horizon, especially considering that, Raishi Jordan and Chris Obekbar are expected to look to the pros for their opportunities next year. You know, if mm-hmm. they don't, you know, maybe there's a chance, but it's still like, I mean, you can't really say like, oh, well, you know, we'll get him next year. No, you're, what you're looking at is like, is it going to be another three years? So like a seven-year drought, isn't that a bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. A seven-year drought, That's that's got to be rough. And I mean, you know, somebody is out there listening right now and going, oh, that doesn't mean that there's a seven-year drought if they don't make it this year. You know, it might only be, you know, five years. That's, that's, a, that's a huge reach that a, team, that a team next year that will be Amar Alabegovic 
and Felix Balamu, um, uh, um, maybe Adonis De La Rosa, um, uh, and then some dudes who, who haven't set foot on a Division One court who aren't, you know, top 10 players. That's a lot to ask for that yeah. team to make the NCAA tournament. That's a lot to ask. Yeah, seven years. That's got to be. That's got to be like an eternity. Seven years, or at least six. You know, I mean, I think. That yeah, six, six. That's got to be a long time. That's got to really hurt. Six. But I don't it's know. It's been I mean, twenty-four. Twenty-four years. Oh, I was I'm in sorry. sixth grade. Oh, I'm sorry. But, but, <laughs> sixth but, grade. As everybody knows, when Rutgers goes to the tournament, people get sick. So we can't let Rutgers <laughs> go to the tournament. Who got sick? I, I don't know. What 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 year was it? Ninety-one. I mean, yeah, you know what happened in 91. Um, uh, what happened in 91? Was that the year of the Howard Beach uh, uh, murders? What? You're just See, making you stuff up. Yes. <laughs> 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 I'm oh, sorry that gosh. I just made uh, right. I kind of made light of, the, of, of that, that really fraught time in New York City's history. <laughs> Right. I apologize. We, we, we got to wrap this one up. Do we though? Because I've got, yeah. I got more of these. And, <laughs> well, no, because I got to get ready to go and watch the loss of number 11. The Gulf War. There we go. The first Gulf War. That's <laughs> okay. what happens when the Red Rutgers goes to the tournament. Uh, <laughs> it's not like we ever left. <laughs> <laughs> Point taken. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we've gone off the rails. Oh, and so that's the first episode of Not Half Bad in almost two months, and that's what you get, people. I have a, oh, I got a plug. I have a new book out. It's getting rave reviews. I'm like totally psyched. Not even past. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound. Pick up a copy. Please, I'd really appreciate it. And if you already have a copy... What's uh, Give us a little blurb. My series character, character Jackson Dunn, finds out that his fiancée, who he thought was dead for six years, is actually alive. And he has to find out why. Why she's alive? Excellent. Yeah. Yes. So, uh... I'm excited. I've got to read, I've got to read this book. Yeah. So, uh, if you, if you already have it and you've read it, please feel free to leave a review on Amazon. That's real helpful. Um... So, thank you. All right. I don't have such plugs, but, uh, yeah, it's that, you know, keep reading our blogs. Uh, I'm Norman from Rumble in the Garden, and uh, you can find me again at Ecoast Bias or at Rumble SBN on Twitter. And I am Dave from On the Banks, and you can find me at Dave underscore White. Or you can find our little um, On the Banks one, which is OTB underscore SB Nation. Nice. Oh, and yes. we also take user questions at nothalfbadpod at gmail.com. Yeah, we haven't had a user question because we haven't had a podcast, but if you have a question, you might get it answered next year. Yes. No, we're going uh, to try and do this next week. I, I'm All sorry right. again for the, for the delay, people. But thank you for listening, and thank you for, for continuing to read our stuff, and you know, you know, let's talk about our team. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe we'll have something to talk about next week. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Norman. All right. Thanks, Dave. And thank you all for listening.